Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Marty. Thank you. It's a good, good to be morning. Back. Hi. Hi. So today we're going to talk about a guy. Yeah. An American religious leader. Oh. Politician. Say what? Self-proclaimed monarch. Roller coaster. <laughs> Jesus. Why Sorry. are you doing this? Mormon pirate king. Yo. Yeah. So these are some of the terms. Oh, and I forgot one. The king of confidence. King of confidence. Yes. Wow. That, that's a title I'll never earn. It's... <laughs> Funny, but true. So these are some of the terms used to describe James Jesse Strang, founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then I also put in parentheses in my notes, Strangites, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what they call themselves. Right. It was was a branch of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. So he was born in New York on March 21st, 1813. He was the second child of three to Clement Strang and Abigail James. According to my reading, James was of delicate health and therefore did not spend much time in school, though he did seem quite intelligent. He also was a bit of a narcissist, from what I can gather. Mm-hmm. I mean, he called himself the Mormon pirate king and the yeah. king of confidence. So mm-hmm. he was a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a blowhard, I guess yeah. you could say. <laughs> he believed a little bit in himself. A little bit. Which not necessarily a bad thing. However, let's see how the story turns out. Well, I mean, for the most part, I think a lot of people know it didn't turn out so well. So no. so when, when Jesse James or James Jesse... Also, let me say before we continue that I read a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? Like I would find a piece of information and then I'd go and search for more information to confirm or deny what I read. And there are a lot of conflicting stories about this guy and what happened. So please don't come for me. If you know something that I don't know or something, you know, if you're listening and something doesn't sound right, please feel free to to send us an email or message or whatever. Politely. Midwestern polite. Yeah. <laughs> but there, yes, there was a lot of conflicting information. So... So anyways, back to the story. So when he was 12, he was baptized as a Baptist. And then as he got older, he pretty much realized he didn't want to follow follow in his father's footsteps as a farmer. So he started to study law. I think he started studying law at 21. And then by the age of 23, he was admitted to the bar of New York. Now, regardless of whether he started at 21 or 19 or 18 or 20 or whatever by the time he was 23 he was already a member of the bar like Mm -hmm. seems like things went rather quickly back then probably a good thing that they've changed so anyways he became county postmaster edited a local newspaper he called himself a 
quote, cool philosopher and free thinker. He was a Baptist minister for a short period of time before moving to Wisconsin, where he eventually met Joseph Smith and was baptized and joined the Church of Jesus Christ. Of Latter-day Saints. It was just the Church of Jesus Christ at that point. Okay. So that was also something that happened very quickly. Like he met Joseph and I I believe within four months he was already baptized. Mm -hmm. Other members of the church, from what I could tell, weren't super happy about this because the Baptist church. Of the Church of Jesus Christ. Okay. Because it was such a quickly we should say. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, but everyone pretty much does know. Right. Joseph Smith is the founder and prophet of the Mormon Church. Yes. So the reason why the, a lot of the Mormons were upset was because it moved so quickly. And these are people that had been following this religion right. for such a long time. From the beginning. They, and now this guy, Strang, shows up and Joseph Smith is smitten by him, so mm-hmm. to speak. And they become very close and he baptizes him into the Church of Jesus Christ within like three to four months. And people... We're not happy. And you said this this happened in Wisconsin. This happened in Wisconsin. From what, yes, from what Mm -hmm. I could figure out. So in June of 1844, which was not long after Strang's baptism, Joseph Smith was killed by an angry mob, leaving an opening for leadership amongst the church. Before he died, Joseph Smith had instructed his 12 apostles that upon his death, they were to take over leadership of the church. However, the apostles were on missions when Smith died, so there was a lot of confusion and opportunity for people to take advantage. James Strang was one of those opportunists who claimed Joseph Smith had left him in charge, but so did Sidney Rigdon. He claimed to have had a vision naming him as guardian of the Church of Jesus Christ and that no one could replace Joseph Smith as prophet. So, the Twelve Apostles return, and they assert their right as the governing body of the Church of Jesus Christ. This is kind of when Brigham Young shows Mm up. Well, he was around, but... So, now he's named successor on August 8th of 1844. Those in attendance say they witnessed the mantle of the Lord fall upon his chosen leader. Benjamin F. Johnson, a 26-year-old attendee of the church, remembered... Quote, as soon as he, Brigham Young, spoke, I jumped upon my feet, for in every possible degree it was Joseph's voice and his person, in look, attitude, dress, and appearance, was Joseph himself personified, and I knew in a moment the spirit and mantle of Joseph was upon him, end quote. Another member of the church, Zena Huntington, stated, quote, President Young was speaking. It was the voice of Joseph Smith, not that of Brigham Young. His very person was changed. I closed my eyes. I could have... I could have exclaimed, I know that is Joseph Smith's voice, yet I knew he had gone, but the same spirit was with the people. Among the same time the Twelve Apostles were trying to clear up this leadership mess, Strang was in Florence, Michigan, addressing a church conference with a letter supposedly written by Joseph Smith stating that James Strang was to be the new leader of the church and was to move the headquarters to Vorey, Wisconsin. The presiding priesthood leader in the meeting, Crandall Dunn, denounced the letter as fraud, noting that the postmark proved it was a forgery. Strang doubled down, claiming he was visited by an angel and annoyed its successor the day Joseph Smith died. Strang was excommunicated from the branch in Michigan because he was a giant liar, and then the Twelve Apostles did the same on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ. Despite the excommunication, Strang had followers, some of which were members of Joseph Smith's own family. He, quote, excommunicated the Twelve Apostles and asserted his claim as prophet of his congregation, which he called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was also called the Strangites. Interesting. So the original Mormon church wasn't the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is 
Correct. So the Strangites took off to Vori, Wisconsin, where eventually Strang ordered his followers to build him a home and a temple for God. By this time, tithing was a thing, soon followed by a communal living situation where members were required to, quote, consecrate their earthly goods to the church. At this time, Strang denounced plural marriage and other practices of the Church of Jesus Christ. Some of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ who also disregarded Brigham Young's teachings left and joined the Strangites, causing a land shortage and other issues, so Strang began moving his followers to Beaver Island. Once on the island, Strang established a town they called St. James, where in June of 1850, Strang had himself crowned king of the church. All right, we need to uh, discuss Beaver Island quickly since you bring it up. It's uh, in the uh, Beaver Island Archipelago in Lake Michigan, a collection of uh, probably around like eight islands uh, sort of sitting off of uh, like in the uh, like northwest of Charlevoix area, mm-hmm. uh, west of the bridge. Pretty decent sized islands, little yeah. collection of Beaver Island being the largest. Mm-hmm. So another article I read stated that it was actually July 8, 1850, when Strang proclaimed himself king of the kingdom of God on earth. He claimed to be only king to his followers, but he quickly began extracting tithes from the Gentiles, most of which were fishermen who called the island home long before Strang and his followers showed up. Rumor has it, when the fishermen refused to pay, Strang ordered them to be taken into the woods and flogged. Strang also ordered the county treasurer to hand over one-tenth of the taxes collected on the island to the church. Wow, so this man just took over Beaver Island. I'm saying, this was not a good dude. No. Like, there was a lot of issues with this guy, for sure. Showed up, took took 10% of the revenue, mm-hmm. the uh, taxes, beat up the fishermen living on the island. Yeah. What year was this? It was eight, like 1850-ish, right around there. Mm. So, now remember, long before the Mormons arrived to Beaver Island, there was a large population of Irish settlers who used whiskey as currency in their trading with Native American fishermen. Strang wanted to rid the island of alcohol. He claimed the Irish were taking advantage of the Native Americans by not trading whiskey, but instead a, quote, home-brewed swill concocted of alcohol, red pepper, and tobacco. Wow. This led to the War of Whiskey Point when Strang used a cannon to fire a shot across the harbor at the Gentiles. Nobody was injured, but it forced the Irish and the other Gentiles to leave the island. Like, he literally just shot one cannon, and then they, they're, again, conflicting stories. There may have been gunshots mm-hmm. from the Gentiles, but they're, you know, can't confirm that. Right, as it's going so far, things are going well for old uh reverend strang it feels like things are going real well for everybody involved right like the irish are getting screwed no but i mean he's chasing everyone off things are going his way that's what i'm saying things are going his way he's he's he is he is making himself quite the despot of beaver island so despite previously rejecting polygamy strang reversed his views alienating some of his followers in doing so by 1848 so strang's first and only legal wife was more than mildly disturbed by this change though not enough to leave him however because of her objections she was eventually asked to leave in 1851 and they remained separated until 1856 when strang died strang had five wives 13 children though one of those children died I believe during childbirth, because mm-hmm. again, there's reports that say that there was 13 children, but only 12 of them ended up growing up to be adults. So fun fact, he took his second wife secretly. She traveled with him to Beaver Island disguised as a man named Charles Douglas. Okay. So this was all going on behind his wife's back. And then he was like, surprise, 
Charles Douglas is my wife. Yes, exactly. And then she was like, no, no, we're not doing this. So she, you know, she wasn't happy about it. But yeah, she didn't leave until she was forced to leave. But again, I mean, you know, mid 1800s, it's like, what are you going to do? So seems Strang and his followers began getting themselves into trouble right around 1851. They were accused of crimes ranging from cutting timber on federal land to tampering with mail and counterfeiting. Residents of Beaver Island also accused the religious sect of forcefully removing them from their land and taking their money. By this time, Strang and many of his followers managed to hold all political offices on on neighboring Mackinac Island, and President Millard Fillmore began to take notice of the, quote, Michigan Mormon trouble. President Fillmore instructed the Attorney General to issue orders to the U.S. District Attorney of Michigan to begin prosecution of Strang. Strang and some of his followers were arrested and prosecuted on various charges, and after being acquitted... By the way, he represented himself in federal court in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Strang and his followers returned to Beaver Island, where he decided to get himself elected to the State Assembly of Michigan in 1852 to counteract the perceived bias and persecution of his flock. This guy was a real piece of work. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell anyone he was running until just before the election, at which point his followers voted in a block and he won the seat as Nuevo District Representative. He was hoping this would work better in his favor, but... It really just pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. (laughs) In June of 1856, Strang was shot by two disgruntled followers. They sought refuge on a Navy vessel and were never prosecuted for the crime, despite a literal boatload of witnesses. Strang lived for three weeks following the shooting. Despite having plenty of time to name a successor, Strang didn't want to talk about it. (laughs) That's a quote. And died leaving nobody in a leadership role for his church. After he died, about 2,600 of his followers were forcibly evicted from their homes and the island. Today, there are about 200 Strangites left. Now, when I say that there's about 200 Strangites left, I don't mean on the island, Mm -hmm. just to clear that up. Another version of the story of Strang's death states that David Brown found his wife in bed with business partner Thomas Bedford. A group of Mormon men seized Bedford and administered immediate justice through the administration of 79 lashes across Bedford's back. As a result of this treatment, a strong resentment grew within Bedford for Strang and his teachings. It would appear that Bedford was not the only member of the community to have misgivings concerning Strang's leadership, as Bedford and a group of 40 other men ambushed Strang on June 16, 1856, mortally wounding the king. The wounded Strang, along with most of his followers, set sail for Vory, Wisconsin, two days later, where Strang passed away a month later on July 8, King's Day. So... You see that there's some discrepancy here between, was it two people that shot him? Mm -hmm. Was it a group of people that ambushed him and killed him? There's not not a real clear... Or was it two separate events near the end of his life? Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure. Anyway, people were gunning for him at the end of his life. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were were not happy. Mm -mm. So after Strang left the island and died, most of the Irish fishermen who had been previously forced out returned home. The island is still largely populated by the descendants of those original fishermen. There have been rumors that some of Strang's followers stashed some gold in Fox Lake as they escaped the island, but none has been found. According to a 2015 NPR article that I read, when Strang was crowned king, he wore a red robe and a cardboard crown. Mm, Just like the Burger King. (laughs) 
This same article stated that not a single Mormon was left on the island. About 200 left when Strang did, with the remainder being pushed out by a mob. This mob burned down houses, forced the people onto a boat with just the clothes they were wearing. This article would also like readers to know that even though most of the stories of Strang focuses on sex, power, and greed, Strang was actually quite progressive. He was an abolitionist. He believed women and African Americans should be able to hold the priesthood. He supported the rights of Native Americans. He was an environmentalist who encouraged forest preservation, and even as polygamy views were misunderstood, as he believed polygamy allowed women to choose their reproductive mate. It should also be noted that Strang and his followers are mostly responsible for clearing and cultivating the land on Beaver Island, as well as building roads and homes and bringing civilization to the location. Wow. Is there actual civilization on Beaver Island, though? I mean, there's roads, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Not knocking Beaver Island. It sounds like a party. No. It's crazy to me to think that this guy was all, you know, power hungry and just greedy and a little bizarre. I mean, Mm -hmm. an interesting fellow in Michigan history for sure. Yeah. And it's, and I'm not knocking anybody's religion. Okay. Let's Mm -hmm. start there because I, I, I'm, that's not who I am. I'm, very much you do what you want to do as long as it doesn't harm anybody else, right? But it's so weird to me that there's all these conflicting stories about visions and prophecies and you know what I mean and all Mm -hmm. this stuff and it's like is it possible that both of them saw the same vision and clearly not the same vision but is it possible that they both saw a vision where they were named successor to Joseph Smith I mean who are we to say what they saw and believe and you know what i mean yeah it's well, just I, so weird i mean from what i know about the mormon church is that it really um you know joseph smith uh, introduced it at a time when uh, spiritualism was big in america mm-hmm. so um it had a lot of uh, trappings in the original days that you wouldn't necessarily uh, associate with a church like you know speaking with spirits and mm-hmm. uh, all different types of things and they believed one of the tenets that joseph smith pushed and in a way it sort of complicated matters for church secession and all that was that um god still spoke to people you know god spoke to everybody god spoke to joseph smith so then you'd have other people pop up and be like hey uh, by the way god spoke to me too joe and this is what he told me and you and you couldn't necessarily debate that yeah you know because it's like well who come on you know who are you joe to, to tell me that god didn't speak to me if he spoke to you and that's so exactly it's sort of, my point yeah, yeah it caused like a lot of problems like as far as uh secession right and um i think that happened for a while with the mormon church in a lot of ways like they're they're lucky that they had uh leaders like brigham young that were able to kind of hold the core of the church together mm-hmm. as they moved uh, westward towards utah but the uh, the church did fragment in a lot of different places with a lot of you know people kind of like uh like strang and to this day it still does where you see these weird um offset fundamentalist sex break off that uh, you know they just exist for the polygamy basically which mm-hmm. is something that the mormon church got rid of in their official tenants in order for utah to become a state right it is interesting to me you know about his polygamy views whether or not they're true i you know again i can't speak to it i didn't mm-hmm. know the guy i wasn't there but it's very interesting to me that he supposedly believed in polygamy 
for the sole purpose of a woman being able to choose her mate. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because, again, we're we're talking about the 1800s here. It's not like, you know, now where a girl could call you up on the phone and ask you out on a date and right. it'd be completely normal and acceptable, right? Like, these are people that are probably being married off at the age of 13 and 14 years old so mm-hmm. that they get better standings in the community, right? Like, yeah. so it's interesting for him to use polygamy in a way that empowers a female where that wasn't something that was happening yeah you know so that that part really kind of stuck out to me like wait what that's that's i mean think about the people think about the the Mm non-believers they were probably like this is you know this man is absolutely out of his head like (laughs) yeah i mean in general that's how uh you know polygamy is viewed as just this like awful like oh my god i mean it is more than one spouse where i think as as our society progresses and um you know their ideas like polygamy who knows they ever want to come back if it's if it's between consenting adults that choose to live that way who am i to say no I mean, that's my thing, too, is I don't care what you do in the the confines of your own home or even out in public. It's not my business. If it's not hurting me, Mm -hmm. I don't care. It doesn't concern me. The other thing that I found interesting was that, you know, he supported the rights of Native Americans. And you kind of wonder, well, and it's, I mean, the same thing with polygamy. Like, you kind of wonder if he really viewed polygamy as being, you know, a women Mm -hmm. empowerment situation. And did he really respect the rights of native americans or did he say that to gain leverage you know what i mean because you think about he was fighting with the irish because he was like oh you're not really giving them whiskey Mm -hmm. well whether they were or not it wouldn't concern him anyways but he uses the the rights of native americans as a reason to fight the irish Mm -hmm. i mean essentially that's what happened right like he made he made this his business, and it wasn't his business to begin with. They might also mean he was a you know progressive in ways that the early Mormon Church wasn't. Like the early Mormon Church's uh, you know teachings on uh, the Native Americans and all that. Not necessarily the most uh, you know enlightened point of view on things. I just sort of viewed them you know as heathens that uh, you know weren't really necessarily worthy of the word of of Christ. Right. So you know if he was ministering to Native Americans, that, that might be a break from you know earlier mormon thought and you know with the women too you know empowering women through polygamy perhaps you know was yeah allowing women to make the choice of who they married versus just like no you're now on his team Mm -hmm. who knows i don't know i wasn't there yeah the whole story is you know i wish i mean 300 years from now people are gonna be like they're they're not gonna have to say things like i wish there was better record keeping because they'll just be like oh bring up social media yeah, remember like, I wish that there thing was less record keeping <laughs> but i i do wish that there was better record keeping back then and it just feels like it's all a very long game of telephone you know where bits and pieces get missed or misconstrued or completely left out Mm -hmm. for reasons that are nefarious or whatever and so it's like was this guy a real you know crap person or yeah or was he you know a guy with slightly different ideas that everybody else looked at as being completely off of his rocker because they weren't what was normal for the time yeah right 
I think that's the magic of history. Right. So we get to figure that out for ourselves. It's crazy. You know, to some people, sure, he was a saint. To others, he was the devil incarnate. I can't make a decision. Like, my opinion on him changed so much throughout reading about him because it was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, wait a minute. What's wrong with this guy? You can't just show up on an island and decide that you don't like the Irish being there and you're going to do whatever you you can can to get him out of there. Sorry. Wow. But, you know, then towards the end, when I found out that he was like an environmentalist mm-hmm. and, you know, he had progressive views, then, you know, me being who I am, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah. sounds good. I mean, this is still progressive for the era. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's just weird. I don't know. I wish I could find out more. Because the other thing is, is like, from what I could understand, you know, doing this research they don't really they don't really talk about him on the island like mm-hmm. it's not a thing that gets discussed you know right, not happy memories no of... no they got him out of there right. they got his followers out of there and they were like we're never going to speak of this again right. <laughs> the king is dead this never happened i was never here you didn't see a thing right, right? like they just don't they're like no nope, we don't need to talk about it we don't talk about bruno anyways you didn't see that movie but Mm-mm. so that's mr strang Mm-hmm. Strange strang. What a, uh, what like a long him. strang trip we just took. <laughs> the strangest. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's it. That's yeah. the man. The myth. The legend of the lake. The uh, the Mormon pirate king. The Beaver Island bastard. Ooh. Well, I don't know about that. Yikes. On that note. All right. So thank you for tuning in again for a lovely episode of Great Lakes Confidential. Don't forget to check out our new sister show, Great Lakes Celebrates. It will be out the same day that this one is out, actually. It's out right now. Go get it. Go catch it. I'm super stoked. It's going to be fun. If you want to support the show, you can follow us on social media, Great Lakes Confidential is on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Great Lakes Confidential. You can also email us at greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com. So, yeah, I guess that's about it. So we will uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Yeah, we'll catch you on the flip-flop. <laughs> Bye.